Hi everybody, we're here with Olivia Corbin Phillip today to talk all about storytelling. So Liv, hello. Hello. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm so good. I'm very hot, but other than that, good. I'm very excited to talk about storytelling. Yeah, well, we're recording this during the heat wave, aren't we? We're on day two. I think we both found somewhere quiet and calm and cool to sort of uh, retreat into. Let's see how we do with the rest of the day. Um, but let's um, let's think a little bit about storytelling. So, Liv, we've talked a little bit online on Instagram about storytelling over the last few weeks. Um, yeah. So I'd like to ask you, what is storytelling to you? So to me, basically, it's like the basic of all communication. I guess that's how I see it. And that's how, that might sound a little bit dramatic, but we all do it all the time. So storytelling to me is something that we can all do. We all do it and we can all do it well. Um, and I think that if you are a good storyteller, you can be good at pretty much everything else. Now, that might be... Um, a hill to die on <laughs> but I honestly do believe that if you are a strong storyteller you are a strong communicator and an empath and it means you're a good listener um, and so I really do think storytelling is kind of the base of all human connection and relationships and I think it's absolutely vital. Yeah I agree it's um it's for me I mean when I first started teaching storytelling was always something that was um, about picture books in a reading area and it might happen at the end of the day and it was really confined to sort of small little places but as I've as I've developed as a practitioner over the years as I have I've seen the impact that storytelling and other provision areas and other activities can have it's just it's it's amazing isn't it but it's it's also very broad as well and I think that sometimes people get a little bit overwhelmed just with the amount that storytelling can actually involve because it's not just about you know picking up a picture book and telling a story it can be a huge range of different things so what we're going to do um now if it's okay Liv, we'll have a little chat about some strategies that we could use within an earlier setting sort of to develop storytelling maybe based on your experiences as well if that's all right so what strategies do you have for developing storytelling in the early years um one of my main ones is First of all, for practitioners to be able to understand that you can teach and you can learn anything through storytelling. And I think that's like you say, um, it's really easy to confine it to one space. And it's when you pick up a book and it ends when you put that book down. Um, and for me, it's the opposite of that. Um, as soon as I enter a room, just because I know that I am a natural storyteller, um, my stories for that day begin. And so for practitioners, it's just, um, I guess the fundamentals of it are understanding that, are understanding that stories are a seed. So we kind of plant that seed in children and we allow them to water that. So you can pick up a book. Of course you can. You can start the day with that book, but it doesn't have to end when you put it down. Um, and now this is something that is brilliant to watch and sometimes it can be hard to understand until you watch it I think um, but you will find that sometimes you read a story about pirates in the morning for example and you happen to have a bunch of cardboard boxes out that morning as part of their free play and if you've read a book about pirates the likelihood is they're not going to turn that into a bus or a train or an aeroplane that day they're going to turn it into a pirate ship and that is that extended storytelling. And it's as simple as that, but it's 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 extending it from that point. 
I love that. I love that you said um, stories are like a seed. I've never thought of it quite like that before. It's actually quite a, a beautiful sort of, um, quite an aesthetically pleasing sort of way of thinking about it, isn't it? Um, I suppose a lot of practitioners talk about things like provocations. I suppose we're talking about that as well, aren't we? Having a storybook is kind of something that I start our, our day off, or maybe even start a topic off. I start off a little bit of a project. And it's really, it's really interesting because I suppose it comes down to how we how we choose those books and if it's on us to choose those books ourselves I mean I don't know what your thought is about this but I often allow children to gravitate towards whatever books are available in the provision I usually have quite a wide range of them and then based on whatever they find that's kind of how we then would start off other activities and other types of play what do you think do you think it's worth practitioners considering sort of presenting a book to children as a, as a provocation or do you think it's good to start with a child what what's best for you do you think I think you can have a you can have a mixture of the both and if you're re- rotating your books often enough which is a big thing for me um, personally um if you're rotating your books often enough those books will still be an invitation in themselves um if you've got books that have have gone a bit stale if the gruffalo's been out since they came in the room they're probably not going to gravitate to it anymore. So you're going to struggle in that way. So if you're making sure that that environment is always up to date, then that's, you know, that's absolutely the way you can go. But I also think there's an opportunity for it still to be child-led with the adult giving them the seed. And something I started really organically, but it, 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 it blossomed into this amazing thing in my preschool class. So I was working with three and four-year-olds and... I had worked on like interactive storytelling with them, getting them on their feet and doing drama for so long. So it was kind of inbuilt in them. They knew what to expect when it came to me telling stories. And rather than the, the same old story bags that are kind of, um, you know, once they've been out a day or two, they're a bit stale. Um, we introduced something called a story suitcase. And now it doesn't have to be a suitcase. It, it was that we have like an old rustic, looking suitcase that was quite aesthetically pleasing so we used this and a bit like you would with a story bag there were props in it that would assist with the story but what we did instead what I did rather was take some of those things away so that the complete story wasn't there and again this is this little seed that I've given them and I would come up and every single time, every time we did this, act like I didn't know where it came from, who put it there, or what this story was. And the, the children would go with it. They would do it for me. They would do all that work for me and tell me about the story and the props that they recognised. And then, of course, they'd add to it. And that's it. So even though I've put some bits and bobs from Jack and the Beanstalk in there, it's not Jack and the Beanstalk as we know it, because they're adding their little imagination to it. And as this started to develop, we began putting notes and letters from characters within the stories in there. And with that, setting the children a bit of a challenge. So as an example, um, once we did that little, the the wolf sent, (laughs) the big bad wolf sent a letter that basically said, little red riding hood was missing, we need to find her. That was on the Monday. These children did not stop talking about this for three weeks. I'm not joking. Every single day they came in and were saying, what clues will we find today? And we didn't know what was going to happen each day. 
and we let them lead it. So even though I chose to put the wolf and Little Red Riding Hood down there, it's it wasn't, you know, forced by me. So I think there's, I do think there's a possibility for both, you know, the children to pick what we're doing that day slash that week and the adults to do it in a way that still can be organic and natural to the children. Yeah, I I completely agree. I, I think it's it comes back to people's understanding of sort of interest-led planning and it's something that I do a, a lot of work on really with settings about understanding your children understanding the kind of experiences that they have and how part of our job is to provide a, you know we can call it cultural capital or we can provide new experiences but either way it's to provide things that are almost like stimulus for future learning whilst encompassing in all of their other previous learning and um, I wanted to ask you a question then. So one of the things that I, I do a lot of is I talk to people around creativity and around how some children don't seem to respond as creatively or, as a, or in an imaginative way in the way that you'd expect. And it's, I think it's usually based on their experiences. Have you encountered that with your, with your suitcase um, strategy? Have you found that some children don't necessarily respond or perhaps just retell a similar story but don't embellish it? Has that come up? come up for you before yeah this is definitely I'm so glad you mentioned this this is something that um the story suitcase um that I mentioned then so the little red riding hood that went on for ages but that was with a class that I had been working with consistently for a year they knew kind of the basics of drama and storytelling and they understood that relationship between storyteller and audience and that is really, really important. And it was sometimes you get children that aren't quite aware of that line. And um, and it's a really interesting thing when you get a child that just, you know, perhaps you're being character or you've picked up a stone and you're telling them that you found a jewel and they just respond blank as anything. Like, that's a stone that's been in the garden for the past week. Like, what are you talking about? And um, it's a really interesting thing. But I think, like you say, it's about the kind of in-the-moment planning and being able to respond to that. But I think it's just something that takes time and takes work. And it's not going to happen overnight. But it's kind of reigniting the natural curiosity and imagination that children do have, but that has possibly been slowly leaking out without us realising if it isn't used like ignited and um yeah I, I've I've ha- it's ha- it has happened a few times and you notice it particularly like I know we are talking about the early years but um as you go into like the middle of key stage one you start to notice that and it's them not knowing you know if they want to commit to the imagination or not so yeah it is an interesting one but it's something as a practitioner you've got to be very responsive and very reactive and you can't be too rehearsed for that reason I completely agree. And it's, it's, you know, there's a, there's a lesson I, I remember vividly from one of my teaching practices and it was um, one of my class-based mentors said, you need to be able to go straight into telling a story, whether that's picking up a storybook or telling a story. So you don't just have to have a, a wealth of stories in your brain, but you have to have the capacity and capability of just going straight into it. And I think some practitioners struggle with that a little bit because they don't feel like they're extroverted. I, I mean, I, I'm a very much an introverted person, but I know when I'm around children, I know that's part of my job. And so it's something that I sometimes have to force, I suppose. Um, and some of the children around us, like you say, they, they are 
and not necessarily introverted, but because of their experiences or maybe lack of experiences, whether that's because of COVID or their background, they do look at you like, why have you picked up a stone off the floor? What are you doing with it? And it's, it, it's, um, it's really funny, just the sort of disconnect between your enthusiasm and their sort of look of horror of why yeah. is that in your hand. Um, I love it. I love it. So what would you say in terms of practitioners? I, I want to sort of focus on that group a little bit more. If, you, if, you've, if you're a practitioner with a group of children who don't necessarily demonstrate a lot of interest, imagination, creativity around stories, storybooks or storytelling, what would you say is a good way to sort of begin this process of, of trying to get the children more enthused about, about the whole process? I would not start too far away. And by that, I mean, don't pluck a story that they don't know. Don't go to fairy tales um, just because I, you know, I often recommend that that's where we start. It's a good place to start. Start with the stories they're already telling. And by that, I mean, when they come and tell you about their weekend, when they come and tell you what they've done with their grandma um, during the holidays, start with those stories and invite imagination to the stories that they are already owners of and authors of and this really gets them thinking because they're not expecting they're expecting you know a kind of standard conversation about their weekend and you to nod and go on but if you actually later on perhaps at a little group time ask them again about that that time with grandma and then invite questions and curiosity and ask a, a question perhaps that, in, that involves their imagination. So perhaps you mentioned that you went on a merry-go-round when you were with grandma this weekend. Was there any magic on the merry-go-round? Did you see the horses move? Whatever those questions are, even if they're not the one that picks up on it, usually one of their classmates will. Or we'll tell a story. And so I think, and it's it takes work and it takes time and it takes a commitment as a practitioner. But I would start with their own stories. I, I love that you said that. It's something that I'm very passionate about is, you know, all kinds of communication between human beings is, is some element of storytelling, isn't it? And like you say, if they've just, you know, even if they've been to the park or even if they just went to the shops or even if they just watch TV, it's still telling a story and it still has power and they've got some ownership of it. I love it. That is fantastic. Liv, you've been amazing. Before we wrap up, what is your preferred um, platform for social media and your what is your handle so that people can reach you if they've got any more questions? Uh, my preferred social media channel is actually tiktok because i can just chat to people on there um, and it's stories with live and i'm both that on tiktok and instagram as well if you want to talk to me on there fantastic lovely and live i'll pass on any comments that people have got any other questions if they don't reach out to you directly but thank you very much for joining us and have a lovely day mm-hmm.